so doing my little research, I found uh, I found out that your father is a sculptor, right? Yes, yes. he's doing <laughs> he's doing metal sculptures. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely share a link to his website uh, showcasing this uh, these artworks. And it seems you, like you have sculpting kind of like in your veins, and you inevitably had to pick it up in the digital space or some other form. Uh, and I'm particularly interested in that area for a few reasons, which I'll keep secret for now. And uh, the first question is, <laughs> uh, how did you even start it with digital sculpting? Um, I think it must have been uh, quite late with, with ZBrush. Um, I sort of started picking it up. Um, I don't know, I can't even remember when I bought ZBrush. But it's something that I always wanted to do. I just, yeah, I'd, I'd never really got around to it. I always found, or I found I could get the same result with polymodeling. Um, but since picking up sculpting, I've realized that like, oh yeah, the, you are so much more free, particularly with things like voxel remeshing and stuff like that. It's just kind of like, I do whatever I want. I don't even have to think about what the mesh is doing at the moment, which is, mm. which is a massively freeing. Um, yeah, I think that's about it really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so uh, the way you, you picked up learning uh, um, sculpting, did you like figure it out yourself, like through practice, or did you have some courses or um, additional? You know, where did you get your knowledge, or just you know go with the flow and figure out things as you go? Yeah, a lot of it was go with the flow. I mean, I'd done like traditional sculpting, um, so like clay sculpting and stuff in the past. Um, so it felt, I mean, other than learning the tools, it felt quite natural. Um, and but um, and recently as well, I've been using VR sculpting tools, which are which are pretty amazing, and it feels like a, a whole sort of different ball game. And mm -hmm. it's frustrating going back to sort of two D sculpting. Yeah, I've I just seen, want to be like, like do yeah, this seen, all the time. <laughs> I've seen Jama Durabaev did uh, you know some showcases of the VR sculpting, and he's sharing a lot of it online, and it's yeah, super impressive. Like I think he's doing it in three D code or or so. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward but to when Blender. Um, uh, I know it does some VR stuff already, but like when it gets its sort of XR tools actually into the sort of creation process, that would be amazing. Being able to like mm. walk through scenes and adjust things that would be brilliant. Yeah, I've I've tried picking up a little bit more in in the sculpting area uh, recently, and I agree that this is. Yeah, this is like a very, the most fun thing about sculpting is that it's so, um, it's, it's immersive. It's like less, mm. you, you think less and you just do the thing. Like It's like drawing or things like that, more, more uh, things that you can get in the zone with. And uh, I think like people starting off with Blender or uh, any other 3D software, if they start with sculpting, that, that's kind of like easier for them. That's my guess, maybe because I have a little bit of different paths going into 3D, like starting with, with that generic idea of modeling. But yeah, that, that immersive thing in sculpting is pretty, pretty inspiring. And VR, I think it's like another step forward, right? In that. Yeah. And I think you have like um, the, the VR 
sort of 3D modeling, uh, 3D sculpting tool I was using was Medium, um, which I think is now owned by Adobe as well. Um, and that, after you picked up what is effectively like four or five main tools, you're ready to go. You know, it's brilliant. Um, and then just it's just up to your, I guess, perception of form and space to bring something into the world. Um, and yeah, I've started picking up uh, a just a sort of feeding on what you were saying about getting into the zone. Like there's, there's feels like there's very little technical obstacles, and I've started using Nomad Sculpt um, on a tablet, which is a which is brilliant. It's absolutely amazing, and I've not found mm. really any technical issues at all. You know, you don't really uh, at the moment anyway. You know, I've, I'm there modeling with six million polygons and feels fine <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah so like having having this sculpting tool in your pocket i think that's that's kind of similar to to the impression that people had with the heavy paint and up we, we, we interviewed uh, the creator of it sometime oh, ago cool. uh von link and he like he intended intentionally did this app to be as simple as possible and it works on mm. mobile devices i have it on my phone and it's like it's super fun to be able it's not like super fancy in, in tools like he introduced he introduced layers into it like later on in the process but uh, first it was like simple really drawing on the canvas but it had like super straight to the point tools and it was super focused on painting mm. And it's heavily used in, you know, live drawing and he uh, can, you know, just take a tablet and go outside to, to do some digital painting in the, yeah. That's plan, yeah. planner, planner painting. So really, really cool. Like that's, removing, that's another thing I'd like to add to my list of wishes to have, like, I wish I had the ability to do that style of painting that the kind I see a lot with heavy paint, which kind of feels like it looks like oil painting almost like. Mm -hmm. really simple strokes but mm -hmm. an incredibly detailed scene that appears like it just it blows my mind you know having that ability would be fantastic um and i should i should play around with heavy heavy paint a lot more because it does look cool uh so let me now maybe reveal my secret reason for bringing up the sculpting topic uh, and it's like more uh, current stuff related because uh, Maxon has just acquired ZBrush and uh, and uh, let me say the whole no maybe that's a too strong of a statement digital world was shaken <laughs> the digital <Sure>. sculpting world <laughs> but uh, what's your take on the whole event and the whole whole like trend of big corporates uh, corporations swallowing like popular tools and the whole software as service subscription madness all around you know because this is like just another thing going in the area right like so yeah acquired. i guess i guess i am kind of equally pessimistic about it um mm -hmm. mainly because i don't use cinema 4d and redshift and it feels like ultimately it feels just from what they did with redshift it feels like it's just going to be absorbed into that package perhaps and yeah, then there's a, the flip side is is that ZBrush is like with its infinite updates. You know, I bought it like eight or nine years ago, and I've yeah. had free updates forever. And for 
I think it was like 800 pounds I bought it for or something like that mm-hmm. I was just like that's a crazy good deal you know that's an amazing deal um, yeah. so I can understand that maybe maybe the offer was too good to refuse and maybe they'll stay loyal to or maybe they'll grandfather in everybody that um, has previously bought ZBrush I don't know but uh, yeah because I was going to learn um, Redshift as well because I really like the idea of um, uh, that kind of biased renderer but then as soon as it was bought up I was kind of like eh, I don't know it feels like it's less open somehow yeah is that something mm-hmm. that makes you want to switch to it like you know how when adobe bought substance a lot of people were like oh i guess it's time to drop substance and then i guess a lot of people felt the same way about zbrush where oh got bought by a corporate i gotta go back to blender or something like is that something that makes you feel like you know since you like having control and you like that side of uh, cg is that something that makes you want to go oh, maybe it's time to switch or would you say you still use it I mean, I think at the moment, because uh, on the 3D side of stuff as well, I have the ultimate luxury of deciding exactly what tools to use in the company mm-hmm. and then kind of dictating that, you know, I think you should learn this. This this would be a cool tool um, yeah. that happens to benefit us massively. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say there's anything beyond... Um, I guess what seems to be the lack of of ownership over something like a piece of software where mm-hmm. like I don't know if there's a small chance that I'm rendering something on Redshift and my internet connection goes down and I can't access something or or whatever you know it's not mine it's a service mm-hmm. or there's a the subscription servers go down or whatever then it just feels a bit risky I know it probably it wouldn't happen you know like there's so many fail safes but yeah. It's just the feeling of it being Yeah. Yeah, I know. Not I yours. Feel, I mean, yeah. I mean there uh, actually like last week, like you know you know the whole thing before where Google Drive, Google Photos, everything was free, right? Everything you upload is free. And then they had that for like a long time. And then I think a couple months ago, Google was like, Oh, by the way, we're gonna stop that. You can't do it for free anymore. Anything you upload past this date will be taking storage from your Google Drive limit. So mm. like last week, like I got notice. Oh, your Google Drive is full. I was like, what? Yeah. What? So, yeah, so I've been thinking of buying a server. I've been thinking of a NAS. Uh, having no ownership really does it, it. It it trickles down. I think especially in modern times, you definitely feel like you're running out of control. I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. And I think oddly enough, I'm the type of person that likes to buy stuff up front, whether that's kind of an archaic way of doing things. But even when it comes mm. to I don't know, buying a mobile phone or something. I will. I'll buy the handset, then I'll buy the SIM card and the Surface. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel nice because I don't know. I'm not. I'm not good. Admittedly, I'm very bad at money. So I feel mm-hmm. like if there's a complicated system, I feel like it's there to screw me over somehow. Um, so I'll just yeah. try and keep it as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's just feeling of like you feel like maybe in the future you might not have the same income. So it's like, oh, I can't keep paying for this. And then at the end, I don't actually own the software. So where did all my money go to? Nothing yeah, that's like, true. Yeah, things like that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Particularly, yeah. yeah, when you're getting to like Maya and Max kind of monthly spending, it feels like yeah. it's a genuine concern. 
yeah. Yeah, but generally, you know, you mentioned the Redshift. I think they are developing it for and uh, not only for cinema for D right now, it's it's also it's got a Blender plugin. Uh, they released it. So I'm I'm thinking, uh, how do you see that you know that approach? Because corporate, corporates ca- kind of have different policies in terms of like trying to maybe build up a, an ecosystem for the for the users to just stick to their platform, but also maybe a little bit open up for the other users like Blender users, for example, to be able to access the, some features. Uh, or generally, you know, uh, there's there's a high need, I guess, for the whole community of, of 3D artists uh, of creating like some open standards. Like, uh, I really like what Pixar is doing, like releasing uh, their, you know, their USD as a kind of like open uh, standard just for for interchanging files between different software because it it will be an inevitably a diverse world. Uh, I mean that probably will benefit us if it, if it's more diverse than than it, if it's like super you know, just focused on one or two companies that are just providing software. There's really no alternative to that. So mm. yeah, yeah. Um, it does feel like, or it can feel like that once things are subscription based, the whatever entity owns that product can kind of rest a little bit on their laurels and just mm. watch the money f- come in rather than being like oh look at these massive benefits to upgrade um yeah but then it it, it just feels like everything is ultimately subscription it feels like that's the most stable way for developers to continue working on stuff particularly i mm. guess with smaller uh companies if you are guaranteed a certain amount of income then you can just sort of plan ahead which i yeah i totally understand i'm just i'm just wary i suppose like if yeah um redshift there's a blender plugin that's amazing um i'd be wary that it could go away or change or be limited to certain resolutions or something you know Mm -hmm. so and I'm lazy too, you know. I'll just, like cycles is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so uh, the rendering, yeah, the rendering engine in Blender is kind of catching up with the with the competition. Uh, I think quite fast. And uh, uh, how about how about the sculpting? You know, features. Uh, you know, we've had the, this huge boost with Pablo de Barro introducing mm. new, new uh, stuff into into Blender. But right now he's, I think, he's retired. In, in that regard, he, he moved on to some other tasks. So I'm, I wanted to ask: Do you think that Blender can catch up for uh, catch up to ZBrush? Like it was like uh, I've seen this opinion that it's it's uh, it's impossible because ZBrush is already so far ahead of all the competition and is still being developed. But you know, I've seen a lot of technologies that were kind of like irreplaceable, and they proved to be not that irreplaceable in the end like flash you meant you mentioned right for mm-hmm. example flash uh, some years ago everyone was into flash flash was like the future and right now it's kind of super fast it's, it's almost gone so uh do you think it's possible to blender for blender to catch up with with the I mean, industry leader for for my purposes like blender sculpting is 
it's just perfect you know i don't really do any immensely high detailed sculpts um uh yeah i don't get down to like we said the poor level and start doing that kind of stuff uh so for me it, it works great um and the only the only other tools that i guess um zbrush has i feel like i can get with add-ons in blender things like the the remeshing tools um so yeah i mean i it's my understanding that zbrush fundamentally works in a different way to a lot of other sculpting programs like how it computes like how the the back end works i guess and so it can mm. just handle what seems like infinite amounts of geometry um but yeah I, I i guess i don't know i don't know just purely because i don't feel like i use those advanced features enough mm. yeah yeah so 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 um what would you find the hardest thing to grasp for someone like starting out with sculpting like a newbie newbie digital sculptor well yeah and i'm asking this from my personal perspective as well because i was yeah, and, trying and to, you, to yeah, hone yeah, sorry. I mean, did you have any like, you know, background in like anatomy and stuff? Like, is that something you really took up? Like, oh, I guess I'm going to learn this. Or did you grow up like, oh, I've been doing 2D this whole time, like actually transfers to 3D. Like, like what was your background with this? Yeah, I mean, I did uh, like throughout uh, earlier school and college and stuff like that. It was it was all arts based. So that covered a lot of the fundamentals. You know, there'll be lots of life drawing and you know exterior perspective drawing all of this kind of stuff and i feel like mm. that translated a lot more into or uh, yeah made picking up 3d sculpting a lot easier uh, but i never really got into in depth with anatomy and i and i think it shows as well like i think i'll put up like a sculpt of a face and it will be it will be wrong you know what i mean <laughs> they'll just be like what the hell that is not a muscle group it's like yeah but it looks so cool <laughs> um yeah, yeah so i i guess i'm not i i my ultimate goal isn't to achieve that level of realism so i don't feel like i should study anatomy in you know in that kind of in depth but mm -hmm. perhaps i should perhaps i should it does feel like it would help a lot um but yeah, I don't know. I just, I just really disliked school as well. So perhaps it's sort of bringing back bad memories. <laughs> don't, why don't you say that name? <laughs> yeah, don't pick me. Don't pick me. I don't know. I didn't study anything. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so this is like uh, a renegade, renegade path of learning arts. Um, I guess it's fun, you know, find doing it your own way, not like the the way that someone invented to to school you, right? Yeah, I think and it I comes see. back to the to learning an instrument as well. You know, it's akin to being given sheet mu music and being told what scales are and stuff. You know, you mm. just be like, I just want to press all the buttons and see what happens, and then I'll <laughs> work it out later. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's probably a slower way of going about it. But way more fun. I guess that's the trade-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, because it sucks. Like, I, I tried learning Blender early on, and you, you, you starting out, you learn, like, you know, I think the difference between a curriculum and learning on your own 
is that at least in the curriculum you have a step-by-step as to where you're gonna get to and then on your own it's like oh crap where do i start do i start with characters oh that's a car oh Hmm. there's an animation like yeah i guess i guess that's trade-off you know slower but way more fun but yeah yeah i remember i mean the course i did in university uh Mm. it wasn't i mean they gave you all the tools but it wasn't really that technical like you weren't given direction on how to use them what you were Mm. given was things like uh a creative brief just like called wasteland that's it Mm. and you have to like go away and like produce an animation based on the word wasteland um and now that now that i reflect on it it feels like yeah that, that that's um not a lot of teaching involved you know uh, and perhaps it wasn't yeah. the best course but um but i, <laughs> I kind of li- liked that approach you know it was just kind of like yeah. oh yeah what what could we put together that could be fun <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of reminds me of the star wars movie you know the the teaching of yoda i think he just was in the forest <laughs> there's no yeah. try just do yeah. yeah use the force just but come ow. out with an insane student loan, though, <laughs> for that. <laughs> Pearls of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of people get mad about that, right? Um, there's this whole like debate between spending money to go to art school or or just learning on your own. And then there's like the, the two camps of like, yeah, you go there and then they don't actually teach you anything and you come up with like a huge loan or you learn on your own. But then do you, did you actually learn anything on your own? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. I think if it was just solely focused on uh, the knowledge I took away from university, it would absolutely not be worth the money at all. Mm-hmm. I think just the people I met who I later went on to start companies with and stuff like that, that was kind mm-hmm. of worth the money. You know, it was the ability to have three years of, I mean, yeah, still doing stuff, but effectively having three years of free time to, find mm. what you want to do um that that was kind of the value i guess i took out of it mm. the very very silver lining but um yeah yeah now you have a company i mean eh, it worked out you know but i do slow, see but... like uh mm-hmm. a load of other kind of o- online i guess uh schools and mm. uh particularly places like i see um people graduating from places like escape studios i think they're here in the uk and they mm-hmm. are very much they very much prepare you for working in the industry so if i if i ever see those type of places on a cv i'm just sort of like okay that's that's pretty good i know that they're going to be able to do this and that and they understand the pipeline in general um mm. so on reflection maybe that would have been a better choice but but you know i don't regret it yeah pretty cool pretty cool okay so uh I guess we could. Uh, uh, do, do you have actually some more time for us, or yeah, should we sure, wrap sure. it up? Because I wanted to make a short break for a sip of water, and then go to the final, to the final round of questions, which will be maybe more current stuff going. We wanted to talk about COVID, cool. the pandemic, and <laughs> and, so, and some new stuff happening in this year, and maybe future forecasts on the. Yeah, metaverse, apocalypse coming, and whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. COVID, metaverse, five G apocalypse. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Are we already in the matrix, or 
not yet. Yeah. You can you can see the green behind us. Oh, so it's I guess it's in the matrix. <laughs> <laughs>